Hello, Lit Chat listeners. This is PJ. And this is Bonnie. And we are once again at the Galena Park Library because, as you may know, our library at Tascacita is under construction. So we are, um, all of the librarians and staff are in different random branches. And I'm at Galena Park. So today we are going to be talking about our reader's choice. And I have to admit to you, Bonnie, I did not get a chance to read at all. So I I am very sad about that. It's been a very busy month for me in terms of, you know, having to move to branches because of the construction that's going on in admin and then also having to deal with personal stuff like having to get my floors fixed in my house and moving out of it for a month. Oh, my geez. (laughs) So it's been a little crazy. So, but... But the great thing about doing this podcast with Bonnie is that I know that Bonnie will always have me covered. (laughs) This time I really do. Oh, I have read so many things and I'm going to have to pick and choose what books to tell you about. I have read some of my regular authors, you know, my romance authors, my thriller authors, authors. but um, there is some other books that I have read that I wouldn't normally have picked up. Some of them were on our list of books from last year that we didn't get picked. So okay. I decided to read some of those. And one of those was a book called Remarkably Bright Creatures by Shelby Van Pelt. It's a story about an elderly lady um, who works part-time cleaning an aquarium. It's a very small aquarium in a little town called Seoul Bay in Washington State. It's near Puget Sound. She is cleaning one night and she sees this lump under the table and she just thought somebody left a bunch of trash and she finds out it's the octopus has gotten out of his tank. And so she helps free him and they develop a friendship, sort of. I mean, it, it's just weird how... Lovely. I mean, and, and the octopus, like, she will stick her hand in his... She has to climb up to stick her hand into the top of his tank, and he will wrap his tentacle around her arm, and they'll, like... You know, it's just... It's a very beautiful story. It's also a very uh, mysterious story. There's also a mystery involved, I don't want to tell you too much just because if you start to, if I start telling too much, it just gives away too many things. I do need to tell you, ask you, does the octopus have a name or is he just oh, known yes. as the octopus? The octopus is called Marcellus. Oh, okay. That is cute. Um, apparently the uh, manager of the aquarium let his daughter name the octopus and she, for whatever reason, she picked the name Marcellus. I mean, She's like five years old. She picks the name Marcellus. Uh, who knows? I don't really believe but, that a five-year-old um, would pick Marcellus, but I do like that name as a well. That name supposedly for the that was uh, apparently there was some story that she heard or something with that oh, name, okay. and she liked it. There are a whole lot of not a whole lot, but there are separate stories going on that end up getting intertwined near the end that you think, what's this got to do with this? And then all of a sudden, and at the end, oh, it is it is a sh- sort of a shocker. Okay. You kind of like 
is that what really happened? And then at the end, you find out, yes, that's what really happened. There's Tova. Like I said, she's an elderly lady. And one day she climbs up on the chair and something startles her and she falls and she doesn't break her foot, but she sprains her ankle so badly that she's got to be in a boot for like six months. So she can't clean. Now there's this young man who is looking for his biological father. He's like 20, 30 years old now. And he has always hated the fact that he never, he's, he's been down on his luck. He like just jumps from job to job to job. And he thinks he has found out that his father was in Seoul Bay. So he comes to Seoul Bay and he lives in this dilapidated camper truck and he needs a job. And since Tova has fallen, they need somebody to do cleaning at the aquarium. So he gets kind of a substitute position. Okay. And it turns out he kind of likes it, you know. And then he meets Tova. She had very specific ways of cleaning. She didn't like using the chemical cleaners. Okay. So she would mix up her own, like, lemon juice and vinegar and stuff for cleaning. She wouldn't use the chemical cleaners, so she had to teach him how to use the chemical cleaners. But there's, there's a story there. And there's a story with the storekeeper in town. And there's just so I have a question. So many little stories, but it's a wonderful and it's a very happy ending. I have a question for the stories. Do you feel like the stories? Um, because I know in the past we've had books that have multiple characters with their own stories, and it feels like those stories are not flushed out well. Oh, no, these like, are. Okay, these because are. I feel like sometimes those stories kind of leave you wanting more. from Like, you'll get a story of one of the characters, and you just want more information on that story, but it leaves you hanging. I thought when, okay, first you get Tove and she meets the octopus and everything, and then all of a sudden you're talking about this guy from California. Like, they, they take you to him in California, and you're like, what does this have to do with an octopus in Soul Bay? You know, and it takes several chapters before they get to the part of, oh, he's going to go hunt his father down in Seoul Bay. So now you're like, oh, okay, we're going back to Seoul Bay. So everything ends up happening in Seoul Bay. But you got to have the two different stories to get Cameron, the young man, to Seoul Bay. Now, And if um, you don't have that backstory, it doesn't mean much of anything. So you got to have it. But it ends up being a very, very nice story and a happy ending as far as the reading goes was it a quick story to get into because i know sometimes yeah yeah? awesome you got into it relatively quickly it kept you the things that were happening you're like oh my god i gotta figure out it's like i was my i call my daughter and i was telling her about this story and she sort of fell asleep on me halfway through the telling (laughs) And she calls me back the next day and she says, but mom, what happened to the octopus? Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> so she also. So it's it's one of those really sad, happy endings. It's a sad, happy ending. It makes you want to cry, but you're crying because you're so happy that things worked out the way they did. Did you learn anything about octopuses? Is it just like. A little bit. Yes. You awesome. Do, you do learn some stuff about. The, in fact, you, you learn that Marcellus his lifespan is only like four years oh wow and he has already been at the aquarium for three. Oh no so yeah he's not going to be around much longer 
he has his reasons for doing what he does because he's got to help Tova before his time is up. You know, I, I love seeing these videos of friendships that you would never think, like, would happen between animals or just um, people in general. You know, there's always these Facebook. I really love the videos on Facebook where it's like a human has connected with a squirrel or um, a human has connected with, like, a raccoon. Like, the other day I was seeing a video where a human connected with a squirrel. Actually, the squirrel always, like, would look in through her house because she was so enamored with, um, or the squirrel was so enamored with her dog. And the dog would also just be so enamored with the squirrel. And so every day they'd come and visit until the squirrel stopped coming. And the owner thought that the squirrel had passed away or something. Well, the squirrel finally came back and... Apparently, it turned out that the squirrel had a family. Okay. So the squirrel brought his baby squirrels. And I love stories like that. Yeah. Um, I feel so like a lot is... of times we don't give credit to animals. We don't give credit to um, their capacity to have emotions, to be intelligent. Yes. You really get to know quite a bit about octopus. And I will say... Things. When I put this book in particular for that list, I did make a side note of making sure that I read it myself. Um, I haven't gotten around to it, but it was highly recommended, which is why it made it on the list. It is an extremely good book. It is a quick, relatively quick read because I couldn't find audio for it. And I'm like, I'm normally a slow reader and I finished it in no time. So it's, it's a relatively quick read, but it's, it's interesting. It has little mystery. It's got you know, the octopus thing going on. And it's, it's just, it's just a really good story. And let me tell you, Bonnie always calls it as is. There are times where I like a book and she does not like it. So if Bonnie says she likes this book, I mean, I was already going to read it, but I even more reason to want to read it because it's Bonnie approved guys. And yeah, I think it's one of those books where you wouldn't, I don't know that people would normally pick it up because the concept of an octopus and a person and yeah. a relationship there is not something that would be so normal. Right. Um, but this is why you should always give books a try, whether you yep. find it the type of book that you would normally pick or not. Give it a try. All right, Bonnie, what else have you been reading? Well, I read this one quite a while ago, so I don't really know. I've made notes, but I'm not sure exactly how much I'm going to remember about it. It was one of the choices for the Gulf Coast Reads that was not picked. Okay. Because when I was looking at the choices for the Gulf Star Choice Reads, I read about this one and said, oh, I hope they picked this one, and I went ahead and read it, hoping against hope that this would be the one that got picked. Okay. And it was not picked. It was the one by Sarah Bird called Last Dance on the Starlight Pier. I feel like that is the one that I also voted for, for Gulf Coast um, Reads. You have Evie Grace Devlin is our main character. Okay. She wants to be a nurse extremely badly. This took place back in the 1920s, okay. this book. So her parents had both been vaudeville actors. Her dad was a dancer on vaudeville. 
and he taught her everything she knows about dancing. But she didn't want to be a dancer. That life was very difficult and very hard. And she really, really wanted to be a nurse. And she lived in Houston. There okay, I was going to say, was where's Houston. the connection? There was a nursing school, a Catholic-run nursing school, like run by the Catholic Church, in Galveston. And during that time in Galveston, there was a family, the Amadeo family, kind of like the mob. It was the oh, mob okay. in Galveston. And they ran Galveston. If you, you, everything went through the Amadeo family. Now, I'm going to stop you for one second. Is this purely fiction? Or I have no do idea. Know? Okay. I did not check to see if the Amadeos were real or not. You know I'm going to check. Yes. <laughs> For whatever reason, they decided that they needed some other, they needed more than just rich people going to school in their nursing, in the nursing school there in Galveston. So for whatever reason, they set up a scholarship fund and you applied for it. And it just so happens that Evie won a scholarship to the school. Well, the mother superior at the school was very, very strict Catholic woman, and she did not like Evie on site for whatever reason. Oh. Had it against her. For, she did not want the riffraff in her school. And because Evie was, you know, poor and was there on a scholarship, she just felt like it was beneath her to, to have anything to do with this. The only reason she did it was because the Amadeos said, you will do this. And of course, Whatever the Amadeos said in Galveston is what you did, so even the for the Amad Catholic Church. Okay, so the Amadeos are the ones that told the Catholic Church, you will do this. Right. Not They were supplying the money okay. for it, and they said, you will do this if you don't want trouble from our family in the church. You I'm sorry, I've got questions. So is this specifically you will do this, as in you will do this scholarship to help the poor, or specifically you will give the scholarship to Evie? No, it was to whoever, and oh, okay. it just so okay. happened that Evie was the one that, that got it. That got it. Okay. And it happened to be Evie. But the Amadeo's daughter, Sophie, was also in the nursing school, and it just so happened that she and Evie hit it off really well. Okay. So now Evie is in with the Amadeo family, right? But she knows what the Amadeo, oh, yeah. like everybody she knows. She knows what they are. Okay. Yes, she knows what they are. Well... Let's face it, her family was basically grifters, too. I mean, they were in vaudeville and, and all of this. And so she kind of knew the dark side of things. But she gets all the way through nursing school. And then, and I can't tell you exactly what it was because that would give away part of the story. The mother superior has sent out uh, private investigators and found out some very bad incidents that Evie had been involved in as an 11-year-old child. Now, she was a child. Oh. Something that her mother forced her to do. And the mother superior said, you are not graduating from this school. I am not letting you graduate the day of graduation. She calls her into the office and says, I am not giving you your pin. Because you had to have the pin to prove that yeah. you went through the school back then. And she basically had her collect her things and escorted her off of the property. And as she's leaving, Sophie sees her through the fence 
and says, where are you going? What are you doing? And she says, I have to go. And of course, Sophie has no clue what's going on, but Sophie finds out and one thing leads to another. But anyway, she ends up going back to Houston. Evie goes back to Houston and her uncle Jake runs a school for dance, but it's kind of a adult. No, it's, it's a school for dance, but because of the time period that we're in, we're talking uh, marathon dancing. Oh, wow. You have these groups of people that are actually, quote unquote, professional dancers. They are professional marathon dancers. It's a little illegal. So they have to pay off the local police when they do it. And her, that's what her uncle is involved in. Why is it illegal? So, Does, did I they explain they, that? They didn't really go into it a lot. I think a lot of it is because... There is some drugs and alcohol and stuff like that. And this is during Prohibition. Oh, okay, And they're okay. serving alcohol. So that's part of it. They okay. S- and, of course, you don't want to get raided. And, and, but so they have the police. They have at least somebody that they paid off in the police to let them know if somebody's going to come and raid them. Okay. Evie Grace goes back to Houston, and she contacts her uncle, and he hires her so that she's got a job. Well, her mother is don't want to know about her mother, but that's. That's part of the story, but I can't go into that because that gives too much away. But anyway, she starts with her uncle, and then it turns out that the marathon dancers that he's working with, they get raided, and they go back to Chicago, which is their home base. Because of what happened with the raid, she's driving them. And she has also helped nurse some of the marathon dancers because, you know, they have blisters and all this stuff. Okay. So, so she becomes the nurse. For the company. Oh, okay. For the dance company. She becomes the nurse. So she takes care of their bruises and blisters and, you know, aches and pains and stuff. And during these dances and one thing leads to another and something happens and she ends up being a dancer. By this point, has she chosen to want to be a dancer? No, or is she just does she's not got want to. to be a dancer. Okay. But things have progressed to the point that she has to participate in the dancing. And now, all of a sudden, guess where they're going? They get a gig in Galveston. Okay. So she is going back to Galveston to the Starlight Pier. And this Starlight Pier is dilapidated. It's got the, it's this pier that has this building on the end of it that is allowed to the Amadeo family didn't really know what to do with, but it's sitting out there. Well, they decide to turn it into a dance studio, a dance hall. This is the story actually opens with the fire to this building. Oh. And Evie's on the beach and and then they take you back to tell you. So I can't tell you any more than that. Did you, you like you it? You gotta read it. Actually, I did kind of like it. I thought at first it wasn't gonna be my kind of book, you know, because sometimes Gulf Coast Reads books aren't that great. What would you say it was a um, slow to get into? It was a little slow to get into, um, but once you got into it, things started happening, and I kept going, do I really want to finish this? Yeah, i got to figure out what happens to Evie now. (laughs) You hit this point, you know, about halfway through that i got to figure out what happens to all these people because you got the dancers, you got Evie, you've got Evie's mother, you've got her uncle. You've well, you got, got the crime family. You've got the crime family. Do you, you know, Sophie in particular, but you've got, you Do know. you encounter the mother superior again? 
Yes, ah, you do. Okay. Um, needless to say, she was called away. The oh. church called her away to a different location. Oh. So, yeah. All right. And we think, we think the family had something to do with it, but we're not real sure. Well, I was good. I would, I was assuming that just because. Yeah. But yeah. Well, but also I, because I the sister is. thought it was a. Or it, not the sister, the daughter. Up, it ends up with a very, very nice, I want to say happy ending. Nice. Okay, cool. You know, you've got these people that are really down on their luck. They're. They're hard scrabble, trying to make a living in prohibition era America, where there isn't a lot of jobs anyway. That's during the Depression, isn't it? Like it was late 20s, early 30s? Yes, yes. Yeah. And then also for Galveston, you know, that there's that storm in 1900 that wiped out all of uh, Galveston. So it was probably like a rebuilding. Yeah. So... You, you have all that going on, just the, the time period of these really these people who are just trying to make a living and have fun at, at it and try to bring some entertainment to the working people. Now, and, um, would you say that, of course, they're crime bosses, right? Like the family is a crime family. But would you say that they were they also the trying city. to help okay, yes. the community? Because clearly they, they did by doing that they scholarship. They did a lot of stuff for the city of Galveston. They were very involved in the rebuilding and the, and making Galveston a place where people wanted to come and have fun. And But it's funny how the roles get changed in this, right? So you would think like the Catholic Church and the Mother Superior would want to help out the community and would accept Evie to help her out. But it's actually the mob family that has more heart. Right, really. <laughs> But it was, it turned out to be a very good book, a nice, happy ending. Nice. You know, a lot of stuff happened in between. Do you have another book that you'd like to share with us? I read, Carolyn Haynes has a series of books that she writes. Um, they all have the word bones in the title. And okay. I may have talked about several of these before. But this latest one she has is called Telltale Bones. Sarah Booth Delaney and Tinky are very unusual private detectives. They have a private detective agency in Mississippi. Okay. I think it is. They also have a friend, Tammy, who is also Madame Tamika. She is like a spiritualist. She does tarot card reading and, and, you know, gives readings and stuff. Is this present day? Yeah. Okay. Okay. This, this like sort of. So takes she's like place. a mystic, mysticism type of. She's, she's spiritual. like one of those people you see. She does palm reading and, but it's it, it, her friends have found out that she really does have a gift oh. for this. Okay. It's not like she fakes anything. When she tells people things, you listen. Okay. And then we have Cece, who is she's a local reporter. She's trans. But she's very happy with herself, and her friends are very happy with her. And and because she's with the newspaper, she can help them, you know, find stuff. She can help them with research. Now, is this in a small town or in a big? Yes, it's... Okay. I forget the name of the town. I've read so many of these that I didn't make that as a note. 
Okay. But it's it's a little town in the Delta, Mississippi Delta. And then Millie is the local diner owner. Okay. And these are the main people. Oh, and Sarah Booth is also friendly with the local police officer. I mean, is this the type of town where, like, everybody kind of knows everybody because it's oh, so yeah, small? Oh, yeah, everybody knows what everybody's doing. Yeah. Okay. Sarah Booth is stopped by the police station, and this lady runs in. She says, you have to reopen the case for my missing daughter. And they're going, but we have no new information. Well, you have to. You have to, because it turns out that her daughter was married to one of the very wealthy people in the community, mm. a, a guy named Tope Maxwell, and their family basically sort of owned everything. Anyway, and he thought he was God's gift, and he thought that he could beat up anybody he wanted to, and he also beat on his wife. And so her friend helped her run away, and she basically disappeared. And there was always a question of, was she killed or is she still out there somewhere? Okay. And then all of a sudden they start getting information. And so Sarah Booth and Tinky are hired to find out. And they start getting information that Lydia was, she went off to Afghanistan. And she was probably hired by the CIA to be an undercover agent and all this stuff. And they're like really skeptical about this. Wow. Um, I'm skeptical. You you have this other family who would, she was like a healer. The wife was like a healer. And young ladies would go to her when they had issues. The entire book takes on the issues of uh, abuse, spousal abuse. Okay. Abortion. And the use of medical marijuana. Hmm. So you have all of this intertwined in this story. And they find out that these girls who were in school with Lydia disappeared about the same time she did. So you had all these girls that were just like disappearing and nobody could find them. And they're all like cold cases. So during the course of their investigation... They find out that several of these girls had gone to this healer woman because they needed abortions. Oh. And so what they would do is she would give them herbals and stuff that would, um, to stop the pregnancy. Okay. And then the girls would like go away. They would disappear. They would move away. By choice? By choice. Okay. They would leave. Okay. Because... Now, they don't want people to know that they had an abortion. No, in a small town, yeah, it's and, and stigma. Stuff, the, the, this is like an area here now. And it turns out that they do find Lydia and a friend of hers. But the reason they needed to find Lydia was because she had been declared missing. And after seven years, it's been seven years now. And once it's been seven years her husband can have her declared dead and then he can have her inheritance. Oh. And she has this massive inheritance. Oh. Okay. And he wants the money. Of course. So he now has a second live-in girlfriend because he's not divorced. Mm -hmm. He can't get divorced. Yeah, because they don't know whether so, she's dead or not. So 
he can't get divorced and still claim the inheritance. So he's got, he's, he's still quote oh, unquote true, married, yes. but he keeps having all these other women and he keeps beating on them and everything. And they try to talk this, his newest one, his latest one into going to the police. Oh, she won't do that. She ends up dead. So now they're like, it's time Tote Maxwell paid for all of his transgressions. Okay. So they get together and they take him to an abandoned, there's this abandoned house and Madame Tamika does her thing. That's where I'm going to leave it. You guys cannot tell because you're listening to us, but Bonnie had like the widest smile. So you would suggest it? Yes. I like all of Carolyn Haynes. The Bones book. She has another, some other books that she had written too, but this is like number twenty six. Now with this in the series, series, is it obvious a requirement to have to read the obviously beginning? Obviously not. I mean, you could pick up this book and read it. it. She writes in such a way that she gives you some bits of background, but mm-hmm. you don't need the whole backstory to get the story. I'm one of those people that I just have to have. You know, I have to start with book one. But like I said, this this series is now, she's up to 26 books in this series. Okay. But yeah, I like them. She usually brings in, in, in their current topics. topics of what's going on. Like in this one, it was spousal abuse and abortion and so you know, would you use say of medical marijuana. And it's definitely not a cozy, but would you no. say it's... Um, like on a scale of one to ten, how much does she delve into this? She doesn't get political. Like, does she get graphic and in terms of like describing the Some, abuse constantly? She will describe the dead bodies, like okay. how they were killed. She does describe some of the abuse, but she doesn't. I mean, overdo it. She doesn't overdo it. Okay. I mean, I wouldn't call it a cozy mystery, but it's not hardcore suspense mystery either. Okay, because I do feel but like there's... sometimes we do have some readers that like a mystery, but it's also just very dependent on how much detail that mystery is. Right. Um, for example, I know that for me also, there are certain subject matters that I'm okay reading about as long as it's not too much detail because it's just not my right forte to want to know that much detail about it and so that's always good to know so that that way you know our readers have a better idea of whether right. this is something that they might want to pick up or if there's concern that it might be a little too graphic or a little too violent for them then and there's can. always a little comedy in it as well that's the only way I could describe it there's always something silly going on too and I mean, also so, with these books, you know, you do have to have some comic relief because yeah. the comic relief, but also in terms of like the themes of it, you do have to have some of that like mention of those dark things because of the themes. But right, she balances. She balances it. They are mysteries, but she balances it very well. Oh, that's great. And Sarah Booth is just your common everyday. She's She's got a house that she's trying to maintain that was given to her that, you know, this big old house that she has to maintain. She's got horses. She has like a small farm area, but she keeps horses and she rents out her fields. 
But Tinky is like rich. She doesn't have to work. She's rich. She just likes having something to do. And because, but because she's rich, sometimes she has inroads to the social society that Sarah Booth doesn't have. Well, and I'm sure you know. she also maybe has the means to get and things she, done. And she can get things done. Yeah. Their friendships are very complicated, but very easy. You would think they were complicated friendships, but they're not. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say. They're, I mean, you've got Sarah Booth, you've got Tinky, you've got the local palm reader, you've got the newspaper reporter, you've got the diner owner, you've got the sheriff, you know. <laughs> they're all intertwined and very... But it's a very close-knit group of people that have everybody's back all the time. Oh, that's so. great. That's great. So that's where we'll stop today. Mm-hmm. I hope you like the ones I picked. I mean, they sound extremely interesting. All right, guys. Our next month, we are going to have... Um, re- no, it's going to actually be a group reading. I cannot remember the name. It's something in the stars... Yeah, I can't remember the name of it either. You can always check on our Facebook. Um, You can go to the online calendar. The online calendar always has um, the yearly books that we read, whether what month is Reader's Choice and which one is group reading. So, yeah, until we meet again, guys, this is PJ. This is Bonnie. Have a great day, guys. Oh, and happy Thanksgiving. Yes, happy Thanksgiving. Bye, guys.